Come awake in this city. Please, God. God of revival, pour it out. Pour out your spirit. Yeah. Cause every stronghold will crumble. Is mm. I hear the chains hit the ground? Yeah. Oh, God of revival, pour it out. Come pour out your spirit in the city, God. your church again in this hour we need you we need you we need you jesus you're the only one we need you're the only thing that can fix this world so we cry out for more of your good last night. That was good. Did you feel that? Did you need that? Man, what a year it's been. We made it. We made it. Maybe you're online and you didn't make it, but we made it. Um, Some of the people here, and uh, if you can cheer in your living room, that you made it. Just turn to somebody right next to you and say, we made it right now. We made it. We made it. It it was a tough year. And uh, I don't know why this morning, it just, it it came over me. Uh, Well, the first thing that came over me was just our staff and uh, how they dug deep and I'm just so grateful for our staff. Uh, I just would not, I wouldn't be here anymore if I didn't have comrades, these men and women that pour out their hearts and um, just fight through difficulty. And what's so cool is we just got so much more fight left in us. And I'm not up here pretending that that this new year might not have its challenges and it may get worse before it gets better, but I got hope. Because I got you, and you got me. We have each other. And more than that, we got God. And he's not surprised, he's not tired, he's not asleep, he's not aloof. He's with it. He's here for it. You here for it? I said, are you here for it? And so, man, I'm I'm just so grateful for our staff. But I, I know a lot of you in this room personally that have been through uh, a deep, dark season in your life. Some of you have lost loved ones this year. I think my heart breaks the most for you. I've been to some funerals with 10 people. And uh, it's, it's just hard to watch people that have so much love being so... Um, constricted in being able to express their love and be present with people. And I had a friend that 
His mom is in the hospital with cancer and he can't even go see her and it's terminal. I, I just can't even imagine that. And so my heart, my heart breaks for so many people, but I have seen such um, strength and resilience in so many of you. And, uh, and if you're not feeling that today, I hope to give you a, a good blood transfusion and that you'll perk up and feel a sense of hope in the days to come. Um, yeah, I, I've been trying to think about new things. I haven't really been dreaming about doing a whole lot this year. I don't know if that's your MO, but I've dreamt of some things even a month away and it doesn't happen and you get your hopes up. And so I don't really dream that far into the future. Uh, I just do, you know, maybe that dream for tomorrow or next week. And uh, one of the things that's just new for me, I don't know if you can tell, you tell a difference in me right now, other than I'm more handsome than I was last year. I did one thing. It's not a big thing, but it's, it's, you got to start small. I parted my hair on the other side. Did you notice that? Dan noticed that. And uh, I haven't done that for, I think, 12 or 13 years. So when I comb it over this way, it all wants to just flow back here because it has a gravitational pull to the pattern that it was used to. But doggone it. This is the way it's going to be this next year. And sometimes it might be a little unruly for you guys because uh, it's just not, I, I put a bunch of lotion in it today and was just kind of massaging it into place. And I can just feel it right now, just pulling with all its might to get to the other side. Not this year, not in 2021. My hair will be subdued <laughs> and I can't control my kids, but I can control my follicles. So you got to snark small. And uh, Ryan and John have been doing the same thing. They're going to part their hair. The other. <laughs> no, they got, they got nothing to part but their back hair. <laughs> I remember this year, another thing came to my mind. Uh, I feel like God brought up. It was about, I think it was June or July. And uh, I couldn't sleep one night very well and I was laying in bed and I was crying out to God. And I said, I, I didn't sign up for this. Anybody know what I'm talking about, that feeling? You might've said different words, but it's like, I didn't sign up for this God. And I was talking about being a pastor. Like I was like digging into like what Bible college and seminary taught me. It was like pandemics wasn't one of the things we covered in one of our classes. And even if we did, I, I don't think I would have imagined it would have been like this. And so I just said, I didn't sign up for this. And I'm telling you, I heard as clear as day, God say, well, what do you think you signed up for? And I began to just talk to God and he's like, you signed up for whatever comes your way. Like if in the next 10 years, like persecution kicks in and we can't meet in this building anymore, did I sign up for that? I did. And I think what I was struggling with is just this, idea that I thought I signed up for what I felt was predictable and what I wanted and up into the right. And God's like, you didn't sign up for it, but you have what it takes. If you lean into me and you dig deeper into me and you know my love in a richer, fuller, deeper way, you can make it. And you can too. 
whatever hardship you're facing, whatever heartache you're facing, whatever heartbreak you're facing, um, God, God is there for you. And there's people in this place, if you'll just reach out your hand, meet strangers, get in a life group, connect with people, uh, to have somebody text you and call you and write you and affirm you, that is just so critical to make it through whatever we're gonna get through this next year. But the best is yet to come. And I'm not talking about Americana. I'm not talking about the American dream. I'm saying the best work of discipleship is yet to come because God is cleansing his church and purging out our old constructs and our own selfish sort of Christianity. And he's saying, follow me to the death. Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. And I'm telling you, we're not good at denying ourselves. We certainly don't wanna pick up our cross, but we really do wanna follow him as long as he's going on a trip to Mexico or as long as it's bigger and better. And God's like, better isn't always bigger, better is better. And I want a better heart this year. It's hard to come up with a message um, that will speak to everybody because you're all in different seasons. You have different backgrounds and different needs in this place. So it hit me right off the bat as I was preparing this message. This may not be for everybody. So consequently, um, the only people I'm really talking to today are the ones that are really having a problem getting past your past. And uh, now if you're here today and you don't have a problem with getting past your past, well, it's really good to have you here today, Jesus. <laughs> visiting us. Um, this is for the rest of us. I don't know a single person that's like, I just get past my past and move on. I, does anyone ever feel like you replace situations and scenarios over and over again, imagining doing just one thing different so that the whole story had a completely different ending, only to figure out that reworking those scenarios and alternate endings in your mind doesn't do a blessed thing to change the past whether good or bad. I remember when I was younger, um, a couple stories that just sort of paralyzed me until I let them go. And I would replay over and over my head, fantasizing about what could have been different. I remember when I was uh, nine years old, I had saved all my money from picking worms and selling them to the local fishermen to... Uh, to collecting chestnuts and going door to door, knocking on doors, shining them up and selling them to people. And they would buy them from me just because I was little. If you're little here, adults will buy things from you, even if they're worthless. Uh, that's just something good to know. That's free. Just collect anything, say it's special to you and ask them if they want to buy it. And they will give you real money for that. I, and I totally bilked people big time uh, in the past on that. I, I would shovel people's driveways. I, I, I remember catching with a grappling hook and that was illegal, I, I found out. But all these salmon that were pregnant and I pushed the eggs out of them and go to the local bait shop and sell them. I mean, I was a little businessman and I was a salesman and I could make money. I had a goal of buying this bike at James Way. And I had my eye on this bike and it had pegs on it. You remember pegs, how cool that was, even if you never used them. Uh, it just looked like you were cool. And I bought this bike at James Way and I remember riding up to Brightbeck Park to be with my friends and watch Little League Baseball. And I got into the game and then I was with my friends and I, we only lived a quarter mile away from Brightbeck Park in Oswego. And I left 
my bike up at the, uh, at the park and I went home. And then when I got home, I'm like, dang, I left my bike. And my parents drove me up there and it was gone. And I remember we, we went back up and it was gone. We went around and I laid in bed for just days. Like I lost my bike, man, if I could only go back. I remember wanting to go back and wanting to go back and wanting to go back. And that never leaves. That isn't just for nine year, year olds. Adults want to go back. And you think about the fast, I mean, past and you fantasize about making a difference in your life. I remember when I was 17, I, I worked at a landscape nursery at Ontario Orchards and I was moving mulch around and putting things in order and lining stuff up in the nursery, uh, nursery for customers to come in. And you know, I was working on the rhododendrons at the time. I remember the Texas Capita ewes were over here and the arborvitae were here. And I was working on the rhododendrons over here. The magnolias were over down and I was pushing the mulch to the back and it went off the end into a precipice down into a ditch that led to muck fields where there was potatoes and onions that they would grow. And I was getting close to the edge and the ground gave out and I, my skid steer that I was driving tipped over, kind of like Dan, you know, when you're tipping over on your skid steer, tipped over, rolled down the hill. Thank God I had my seatbelt on, I was banging up against the glass and all this metal. And I was down to the bottom and I came in and my boss and everybody came out to see the spectacle. I was just so humiliated and embarrassed. They actually had to bring in a winch and even a crane to get this thing out of there. It was all my fault. I'm like, if I could only go back and not do that again, right? But there's also good things in my life, like I wish I could go back and do it again. Like when I was on my sabbatical a few years ago, one of the best trips I ever took was to Italy. This is before the lockdown. So it was like a fun place to go back then, right? And I went with my wife and every day we were in Rome and Venice and all these places, there is especially this last year, I would just sit and think about Italy and wanting to go back and how good it was and all the goodness of the past and the badness of the present. I just had a hard time letting it go and say, be here now. This is what you have. Stop thinking about what you did and what was awesome or awful in the past. This is what's before you live here now. Your past is powerful. But here's the thing, if you don't let it die, it won't let you live. I'm gonna say that again. If you do not let it die, the good or the bad, it will not let you live today into the future. The old always seems to have this hold on us, this death grip. Old drama always keeps us from new dreams. And God has new dreams and new visions. That's when he said, I'll pour out my spirit on all the people and I'll give these old men, you know, visions and new men dreams and all my people will be filled with God's spirit. That's where he's at. New dreams, new vision for the young and the old, the male and the female, the slave and the free, all walls are break, broken down. I want you to move into the future from the present. So maybe just maybe there's just somebody listening today that has to step out of their history in order to move into their destiny. That's who I'm talking to today. Our, our theme for the past year was new pathways. And the theme was chosen based on a verse in Isaiah where God was speaking to his people about turning over a new leaf and, and, and turning that old page and starting a new chapter of their lives and beings, instead of being story stuck on the last pages or the past pages of their life. 
Because you learn really fast, life's about endings and beginnings. Old seasons and new seasons, old dreams and new dreams, old memories and new memories old moments and new moments. And our quality of life is directly connected to our ability to let life happen instead of clinging to yesterday's hurts or happinesses. So Isaiah the prophet speaking to the nation of Israel here, trying to get them to get past their past and to embrace a new reality. The vision verse for this past year is found in Isaiah 43. You might want to turn there if you have your Bible and to circle this or underline it because it's got some awesome, awesome nuggets for us here today. It says this, this is what the Lord says. And then it describes the Lord for a second. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. There's the two words, path and way who drew out the chariots and the horses by the Red Sea, remember that? And the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there at the bottom of that sea, never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. Now that's a story they wanted to remember. In fact, they did once a year at Passover. He actually called them symbolically through Passover to remember every year. You remember the 10 plagues? You remember getting whipped? You remember the bondage? You remember being a slave nation? Do you remember the tyranny? of the Egyptian army that was over you. You remember when you escaped and I brought you out and you crossed the Red Sea and, and Moses and Miriam with his sister, they wrote this song together. They collaborated on this song and in Exodus 15, three, it says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You remember that God? They're like, yeah, we do every year at Passover. We remember all that he's done for us. And so he's sort of ginning up and conjuring up this memory of the goodness of what God has done in their life. And then he throws in this verse right after that. He said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Next week, we're gonna talk about the new things, the way in the wasteland, the, the path through the wilderness in our life, the streams in the desert. We're gonna talk about that next week. This week, I wanna talk about forgetting the former things and not dwelling in the past so that we can perceive the new thing God is doing. Because if you are thinking about the old things for good or worse, you will not see the new things. You will not perceive what God is doing in the present. This word forget doesn't mean amnesia like it never happened. No, it, it literally means stop talking about it. Isn't that interesting? Stop thinking about it. Stop talking about it. Because anything that we talk about incessantly, we're giving authority to. I want you to know that. Whatever you talk about again and again and again, you give it authority in your life. It dominates your life. It will have mastery over your life. You gotta stop talking about it. Makes me wonder what kind of things in our lives we need to just stop bringing back up again and again and again and reliving to the peril of our present. It doesn't mean it wasn't part of your story. It just means it doesn't need to be the theme of your life anymore. It might've been a chapter. It just doesn't need to define the rest of your narrative. Those good things or bad things in the past, you don't have to keep bringing them up again. God says in this passage of scripture, it's time to move on. Join me in some new ideas and opportunities and possibilities that I have for your future. 
Forget the former things. This is an invitation to stop fixating on past successes. Some of you here have had a, and while everything's going crazy and you're watching people tank and spiral downward, you've had the bumper year of your life. I've talked to some business owners. They've never had years like they've had this year. It's unbelievable. And they're actually like, probably not gonna have as good a year as things get better for everybody else. And they gotta forget that or they're gonna be depressed next year. And some of you here have gone through divorces. I actually know some in this room right now, it's been a horrible, very bad, no good year you want to get out of. And if you keep talking about it to other people, you'll relive it to your peril in your present. Do not dwell on the past. This is an invitation to stop dwelling on past failures. We get it. You fell on your face. You made a mistake. You might've made a mistake yesterday. When I talk about the past, I'm not talking about like your distant past or childhood wound or father wound. I'm talking about last week, last month. You gotta get over it and you gotta move on because his grace is sufficient. And where sin is greater, his grace is greater. That's what the Bible said. Where sin abounded, his grace did so much more abound. And I really believe the verse, when you sin and you confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful, we sang about that, and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The only thing that's gonna remind you of your past is not gonna be God, it's gonna be you. And unfortunately, the church is really good at it too. The church will remember your past and won't let you go on. They'll put you on a probation. Like we'll believe you and trust you when you prove over a long time that you're not what you just did. And then I think about Peter who denied Christ three times to a little girl. You know how long it took him to be back in ministry standing on the stage and preaching? 50 days. He went from denying Christ, going back to fishing, 50 days. He was disqualified in his own mind. God reinstated him. Why? God's a God of grace for the now into the future. I covered it. I died for it. You don't need to die for it too. How many of you are dying for things that you did a long time ago? You won't let yourself get off that cross you're pinned to. And he said, it's over. What, this verse where it's like talked about the grace of God right after it said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Powerful verse, right? Galatians 2.20, 2.21's even better. It says, so I do not set aside the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. For if I do, then Christ died for nothing. Why would I set aside the grace of God and essentially say, Christ, you died for nothing? if I don't embrace your grace. I, I don't know where I'd be without the grace of God. I wouldn't even be up here to speak this message. The only reason why I can tell you is that tomorrow can be better than yesterday is God's grace. He has hope for your life. You may not believe in him, but he believes in you today. It's taken me a while to get this, just forgetting former things and not dwelling on the past, that I'm not my past mistakes and I'm not my past successes. I'm not my worst criticism. I'm not my best compliment. I'm not my greatest win. 
I'm not my gravest defeat. I'm not my childhood wound. I'm not my childhood dream. I'm not my track record. I'm not my resume. I'm not my highlight reel. I'm not my blooper reel. I'm not my faults and I'm not my gifts and abilities. I am in this moment, God's child with promise and potential, period. Remember the word potential? I don't know if anyone taught this when you were a kid. It's like, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. And we sang that in Sunday school. Remember Sunday school? How many went to Sunday school? Anybody sing that song? Yes. You are a bundle of potentiality. That's what God thinks. Every day I wake up with new potentiality and new possibilities to create a new future. And there's a distinction to be made here though, that there's a way to learn from our past without dwelling on our past. We have this uncanny ability to keep some things alive that God wants to die, don't we? And I'm here to say to you, let it die. Turn to your neighbor and say, just let it die, would you? Not not die, would you? But let it die, would you? Yes. Don't keep giving it inordinate attention and resuscitating it back to, to life. You gotta let it die already. God says here in this passage, don't dwell on the past. One thing I've learned over the years, and I've had people ask me this from time to time, when they're talking about ministry and, and what I've learned down through the years is if, if you could go back and, and do something again, or if you could go back and tell your younger self something, what would you say? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Heavens, no. I don't go there with my life because I cannot go back to my past and change anything. I can learn from it, but I can't be like, what would you say then that you know not? I, I'm not there anymore. It's, that's back there. I can't go there. It's over. I can't change the past. I can only change the future. Erwin McManus says this, we can't change history, but we can create the future. But if I, I knew then what I know now, forget about it. You didn't. So you can play that game all day long, but you can't. You didn't, so don't go there in your head. When you fixate on the past, you miss the miracle in the present moment you occupy. It's easy to look around you at other people and see all the opportunities they have. Oh, that should be me. If only it would have. If only I didn't. And these what ifs and these if onlys dominate your life. And what God wants us to move toward instead of the what ifs and the if onlys is, well, well now what? What's coming next? You ever had somebody say, what's new? That's, that's something God's asking you every day. Not what's old, what's new? This is where God lives and the new things unfurling all around us every day. God doesn't want you to live in the past because God does not live in the past. He's moving here and now. This is where we see the activity of God all the way through the Bible and the here and the now. One thing I've learned is enemy's greatest weapon over us is our past. We have these strong memories and these strong emotions connected to those memories and he capitalizes them on him, doesn't he? But because he doesn't know the future, he can't talk about your future. He can only bring up your past and use it against you. If the enemy starts talking to you about your future, he's lying because you do know the enemy doesn't know the future, right? 
And so, you know, if he's starting to talk to you about your future, he's a liar. He has no idea what's going to happen today and into tomorrow for your life. We can learn from our past and honor our past, but we must refuse to be imprisoned by it. It's 2021, y'all. You know that? Right? And some of you are like, well, why are you telling me and reminding us that it's 2021? Because some of you are still in 2020 or in 2016. Or right now, you're in 2008. You're completely stunned. Arrested development happened to you back in 1993 for some of you, or 1974. That was when I was born. That was when some of you were teenagers, right? Am I going far enough back? Some of you got arrested in your development somewhere and you won't leave that place. And you're trapped, your story stuck and the best and worst moments and memories of your life on some mountaintop or some valley low. And Satan loves to keep us trapped in a kind of bondage to the former things. He loves it. It's like we physically left our personal Egypt to, to go back to Israel's story. But we keep carrying Egypt around with us in our heads. And we wander in the wilderness until we get our heads out of our own Egypt. The Pharaoh on our heads can say, you can go. Moses said, let my people go, you can go. And we hear that, you can go, but you won't leave. And I wonder how many of us are listening to God and today he's saying, I freed you and we won't leave. We've been let go, but we won't let it go. This is what the Israelites had a problem with. It's like they were let go and they left, but their mind, they were still a slave nation. And the minute something bad happened in their life, they went right back to Egypt. It was so much better in Egypt. It was so much better in Egypt. They had leeks in Egypt. I don't know why that's appealing because it's not to me, but they had all this food. We had three square meals a day and now we're free, but we're hungry. And it's like you, you go back and you reflect and it isn't, you always want what you don't have. Isn't that crazy? And then once you get it, you want what you don't have. I mean, if it's summer, you're like, man, it's just so hot and I wish it was colder. And then it's colder. And you're like, I just wish we had the sun. So we flee to Mexico to get what we had seven months ago. And then when it's here, we want to go somewhere. We always want to be somewhere we're not. And it's all about Egypt in our heads. I think this is what this passage is trying to drill into our thick skulls. That God is into new things. He just is. He's the God of new life. He's the God of new mercies. He's the God of the new covenant with his people and the new testament of grace and new songs for a new day of a new spirit and a new heart where new creations where the old is gone and the new has come. He's the God of the new heavens and the new earth, the God who gives us a new name. He's the God of the new. But so many of us, when we say we want God to do a new thing, what we really mean is we want God to do the same thing Again, many of us can't, can miss the new thing looking for a repeat of the old thing. This verse says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And we often don't see what God is doing because he's not doing what we would do if we were him. But we're not him. It actually says in Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You can't have new dreams when you're tethered and anchored to old drama in your life. It just ain't happening. And what you believe ends up being what you perceive. And what you perceive becomes what you achieve. That's why it's critical to move on and to believe something 
so that you can see it. In a sense, when we hear that God wants to do a new thing, we often think in our mind, he wants to give us a second chance. And this is very different than a second chance. In, in this text, God's talking about a second chance, at the, not talking about a second chance at the same thing. He's talking about a new beginning. Second chances are different than new beginnings. And if we're not careful, we'll want another shot at something. But usually we don't get another chance at the same thing. We get a completely different thing, a brand new thing. And we can look back with regret and think, well, I could have, should have, and would have. And if I would have had to do it all over again, I would. But this keeps us from seeing what God is doing or wants to do because we're looking for a do-over or a repeat. God is offering a new possibility to us, not a second chance. He wants to talk to us about today, not yesterday. What could keep us for, from perceiving what God's doing? Maybe, just maybe, it's expecting it to look like what he's already done. And I'm here and waiting for God to part the Red Sea again because that's what he did last time, right? And sometimes the greatest barrier to what God is doing is what he used to do. And don't forget about his faithfulness, but forget about the form that his faithfulness came in because he doesn't replicate the same form for his faithfulness. He stays faithfulness, but he changes the form and we get addicted to the form, not the faithfulness. What's crazy in this set of verses is that the first time God made a way for Israelites, it was through the waters. But the new thing he was doing was making a way in the wilderness. Do they not perceive it? right? That looks way different and you'll miss it if you're looking for the old ways and the old days, the former things. What did Israel need in the wilderness? They needed water. What did they need by the Red Sea? They needed wilderness. They needed dry ground, right? So what used to be the barrier is now the blessing for them. And water was the problem. Now water is the solution, so the last thing is often the enemy of the next thing. And I'm here to tell you that the next thing, this next year will be better if you'll just join God in what he's up to. I found that with people that have the greatest barrier to the blessing isn't what's before them, it's what's behind them. And we believe these lies about our lives, about the good and bad memories. And we think things like my best days are behind me. You gotta stop saying that. You cannot give that power. Your best days are not behind you. Not if you let God change you. Not if you become more like him and allow his image to become the thing that changes who you are. I peaked too early. It's all downhill from here, right? I'll never be able to top that in a million years. I, it just came to my mind. I sometimes try this like romantically with my wife. So kids, you won't understand this, but have you ever tried to replicate, simulate, duplicate that one romantic evening that you had with your wife? And you're like, I think I got the formula. I mean, we, what did we do? We went, went here and then here. And then we went out to that one place for dinner and then here. And it was great. And we watched that movie and that. And then the night, we set the night to music. It was wonderful. Now I know how to get my wife to romantically be drawn to me. And you do the same thing in the same order. And she's like, eh, I'm tired. 
Your wife's into new things. Your husband isn't, but you are. I'm into the same thing. If it worked, I'm into it, right? And I, in my brain, I'm like, what did I do? Why did, you, why did you like that last week? But now I tried the same thing and you don't like it this week. It's the same thing. I bet you if I went to Italy again and I'm like the same places and the same hotel and went there, it would just feel different. Like I'm trying, why didn't that work? Or why didn't that feel as good? Because God's like, I want you to do a new thing. If you are attached to last year or yesteryear, you cannot join me into the adventure of the now. How many people have gone to the same place and it didn't feel the same way? That's what he's talking about here. We want God to do the same thing again that was awesome the first time. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. Or it's not best days are behind me. It's a horrible year and it's like, it's over for me now. I blew it. I'll never be able to forgive myself. I'm a failure. There's no hope for me now. So God calls us to leave the awesome and the awful in the dust in this passage and to live in the present with poise, embracing the new and the now. It reminds me of Paul's words in Philippians 3.13 where he said, but this one thing I do, forgetting what was behind and straining for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, it's one thing. It looks like two things, forget what was behind and press forward to what's ahead. But that's one thing. Because if all you do is forget what's behind and you don't press into what's before, that's one thing. How many of you have like left an addiction and a void seeks to be filled? And if you just leave an addiction and don't replace it with something else, you go right back to the void that seeks to be filled. You, it's one thing to leave something and to go somewhere else. You can't just leave something. You have to pursue something, somewhere, someone else. That's one thing. Or when Solomon, he says it a little bit different, he's talking about nostalgia. And in the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes, he says in chapter seven, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it's unwise of you to ask this. That's wisdom. This is like, man, the old days were so much better. I mean, I can feel that with my kids sometimes. And I, I realize that while you're with your kids when they're little, you're like, I can't wait until they're toddlers and they can just kind of, they're just not blobs of flesh that are utterly dependent on me that cannot reciprocate anything I'm doing for them. Someday they're gonna be old and I can play with them, right? And you get to that state and you're like, ah, they're unruly, they're ingrates. I cannot wait till they're just a little bit older and then they get a little bit older and then you don't like that. And if they can get a little bit older and all of a sudden they're gone from your house. And then when they're older, you're like, I wish they were kids. I mean, it was hard, but it is is so different when they get their own car and I can't control the friends they're with and they want to go over to their house and I don't know what they're doing at the house and I just wish they were little and they're in the nest you know I loved I was at rest when they were in the nest and you will realize that you want the future and you want the past all at the same time and you miss the miracle of the present. You cannot wish for the old days and reminisce and have nostalgia fill you because it paralyzes you. 
And God's like, I'm brimming with possibility now. Open yourself. Don't you perceive it? It's happening right now. Go hug your kid now. Go get in a conversation now. Embrace the awkwardness and the complexity of the now. Enjoy the now. Because it will be gone and you'll be wishing for the older days. And that can just cause such a loss of quality of life. And your time is the most precious thing you've been given. And then the more Satan robs you of your time, he robs you of your most precious possession. How I wish, I wish, I want, I wish it was so much better back. Leave it behind. Remember one person said, I don't remember who, who said it, is nostalgia is a mix between a bad memory and a good imagination. It really is. We selectively remember the awesome parts and we also selectively forget the horrible parts. It's just what we do. Even Jesus spoke of this discipline of looking ahead and looking forward when he said in Luke 9, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Nobody who doesn't put his hand in the plow and stop just looking back. It's just such an important work ethic. It's such an important kingdom ethic to just stop looking back. Delete your old flame of a girlfriend off your Facebook. Quit looking back at, oh man, my, my marriage is in a tough place. Maybe I can go see how Julie's doing. Or Gertrude, right? I wonder what she's up to. Oh, she just got divorced last year. I just want to check and see how our heart is doing. I'm telling you, forget about that. Believe me, the grass is greener on the older, other side only because there's more manure over there. <laughs> I remember that old camp song, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No turning back. I mean, Lot's wife turned back, she turned into a pillar of salt, right? No turning back. No turning back. No, for real, if you haven't heard that story, a woman turned into a pillar of salt. She's so salty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Edward Everett said, and I know it's really, really hard for you to laugh in your masks. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. That's not gonna be forever, right? Anything that we're wrestling through right now that we hate... It's not gonna be forever. I don't know why I just said that, but yeah. Edward Everett Hale said, so I choose to look up and not down, to look forward and not back, to look out and not in, and to lend a hand. This has been powerful for me, like even personally this last few weeks, um, we had a car and said this idea, I wanna give it away. Partly because that car, I don't think I could have sold. <laughs> but I'm like, let's just give that away. And I just started on a new adventure in the now. And it really wasn't an adventure at first. It was just like, I need to give it to a person in need. I put it online. There was like about 25 people that were like, I need this car. I heard all manner of stories, these sundry stories that I could not even believe. And then I'm like, I gotta get more cars. There are so many needs I never knew about. And so we gave another car away and people gave cars and people are giving me cars and people are giving me money for cars. And I have over $10,000 people have given me in cash to buy people cars. I've been over 
over to the Ford dealership. Hey, you got any cars? I'm giving them to people. They're working on cars. I'm going around to use car lots. They're getting in on the deal. They're giving to me at cost. I've given away nine cars right now. I have $5,200. And this isn't our church. This isn't our, everyone's like, oh, I'll give it to the, don't give it to the church. Church has nothing to do with this. You're not gonna get a tax write off. You're not giving something to get something. This is giving something to give something because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm telling you, if you can just say, oh, I don't have what I want. Give something to somebody in need. I am the one that is, is getting the most blessing. And I just, it was done. There was 5,000 given and 100 given and 100 given. And people are Venmoing my wife because I don't know what Venmo is. And they're Venmoing my wife money. And, and I have people across the state. I had one guy drive from Chicago, who used to be an old student in ministry, drove his car over here with his wife and family to drop it off, to drive back. I mean, I, this last week I had $3,000 in the mailbox and the same day somebody gave me another $500. It's just like the most amazing thing to say, why wallow in what's not happening? Why not wake up and say, is there something I can inject into this world by way of goodness? Instead of troubleshooting, can I go out and beauty shoot today? It's been so cool. So God says to his people 2,500 years ago, same to us today, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. Brothers and sisters, it's time to let go of certain friendships and to trust God for new ones. I'm dead serious. There's some friendships that are toxic, they hold you back, they hold you in place, let them go. Well, they're gonna be so mad. If they're not going somewhere, you can just tell them, if you're not going here, that's where I'm going. And you either go or you can stay, but I'm going. It's time to let go of the pain of your divorce and to trust God's purposes for your future. Somebody needs to hear that today. It's time to let go of that loss that paralyzes you in place and to trust God for new gains. It's time to forget about the glory days and to put your hand to the plow and work hard again with new vision. It's time to forget about your last job and to give your best to your new job. It's time to forget about the simpler days with your kids and embrace the new opportunities in parenting. It's time to stop dwelling on your burdens and begin focusing on your blessings, to stop dwelling on your past mistakes and to focus on God's grace for your future, to stop dwelling on that crushing disappointment and to look for your next appointment. It's interesting, appointment is in disappointment and God has divine appointments for your life that disappointment will stop you from seeing. You will miss tons of appointments today if you're locked in disappointment. You'll be left behind if you're not looking forward. That's why it's important to look forward to things. What are you looking forward to? Those who are looking forward to things are constantly fueled by hope instead of remorse and regret. Hope heals Regret rots and it robs. Thankfully, we have a God who models how to forget the past and not dwell on it anymore. Thank God. Hebrews 11 or 8, 10, it says, I will forgive your sins and I will remember them no more. Are you glad God's like that? Not like, oh, I remember what you did. No, you're like, I could remember because I'm God and I'm sovereign and I know the past, present and the future, but I choose not to. 
Or he says in Psalm 133 through four, this is my favorite verse when I'm feeling beleaguered or low and I feel like I've asked for your grace one too many times, you're not gonna come through for me and forgive. He said, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Nobody. But you, with you, there's forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared or revered. Oh, I love that. He's not up there with his ledger like, okay, well, there you go again. You did that for, no. I don't keep a record of your sins. Where would we be without God's ability to move on into new dreams as it relates to our lives? I know I'd be a goner. I read something in a book a while back that I had to write down. And it's been a posture that I've tried to adopt as my way of life to keep me open to change and looking for the emerging will and ways of God until my dying day. It was this, and it was in a leadership book. It said this by Eric Hoffer. In times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. That's why if you're really, really smart here, you could be the person that has the hardest time moving on because you form some trauma bond or some drama bond with the past and you're so smart, but you're so smart that you're equipped to exist in a world that has moved on without you. And I'm out of time, so I don't, I'm not gonna make it through the last couple pages of notes. You say, keep going, Kid Zone says, don't you dare. <laughs> They're saying, stop, remember the past. <laughs> Do not forget the former things. Um, remember that staff I told you I, I love so much? I want to keep them. I want to keep them. So I want to ask you a couple questions moving into this new day brimming with hope for all of you little bundles of possibility. What might God want to do in your life this new year that you won't let him because you won't let go? Will you forget the former things and stop dwelling in the past? Will you perceive the new pathways God is laying out for you? He wants to do a new thing in your heart and life. Will you let him today? I just know for me and this house, we're moving on. We're moving on. And you can stay if you'd like in the past, but we're going on. Will you join us? Will you join God? You're so good to us, Lord. You are acquainted and familiar with all our ways. And you know, it's, it's been great for some of us and horrible for some of us recently. But I'm so God, I'm glad for God who is just giddy about the present and the future. I pray just as you have moved on from our sins that we would move on from our sins and that we would move on from our wins as well as our sins so that we're not always wishing things were as they used to be. You gotta help us to be tethered to truth instead of anchored to lies. We give you this new day we're at your disposal, God. We wanna be vessels of honor fit for the master's use this year. So break us away 
from the graveyard of the past and all of the Egypt inside of our head that after we've been let go, we keep staying behind. And give us eyes to perceive the new thing you're doing in this new year. And we pray this in your son's name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Have an awesome day today. You're dismissed.